Hello and welcome to Cloud9Fin, a podcast on all things leverage finance. We follow corporate debt from issuance to redemption, credits from performing to distressed, and everything in between. I'm Bianca Borer, your host in London. Today I'm sitting down with two Ninefinners, Hazik Siddiqui, credit analyst, and David Graves, a fellow distressed debt reporter, to talk about Swedish real estate company SBB. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Very happy to be here. Hi, Bianca. Excited to be here. So SVB is abbreviated for a reason. It's a bit of a long name for us non-Swedish speakers. Hazik, you've been practicing. Can you give us the, the full version? Okay, I'll try my best. Uh, Simhils Bignats Bulagit. Great. So you both have been writing some insightful reports on the name during the last week. Um, so I thought we'd cover some of the issues the company has been facing on the podcast today. Uh, looking at the company's profile on Ninefin, I can see that it's got a pretty huge capital structure with 78 billion uh, Swedish krona, which is around $7 billion worth of debt. Uh, the company lost its investment grade status in May after a raft of downgrades. Last year, the company was also the target of short sellers. Hazik, can you tell us more about what's led to its fall from grace? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, SBB came under scrutiny last year when Viceroy Research published a short seller report. And that's when really its downfall started. There were allegations around related prop, related party transactions, governance issues, such as CEO and the board of directors holding 50% of companies voting share capital. Another issue was that they alleged SBB had inflated the market value of their properties, which reduced their LTV ratio. Yeah, so it's not the first time we've seen related party transactions in real estate companies. On the LTV ratio, can you explain what that metric shows for real estate companies? Yeah, sure. So for real estate lessors, net leverage is not always a meaningful metric. Instead, we use a ratio called LTV or loan to value. And essentially, LTV is the size of the debt as a percentage of the property value. For example, if you have 60 million of net debt and 100 million of property against it, that equates to an LTV ratio of 60%. And the difference between 100% and the LTV is your equity in the property. Equity is, of course, lower down the cap stack, so any devaluations of your property will impact the equity first before affecting the debt part. And this is the reason why creditors love lower LTVs, because a higher equity cushion gives them higher protection. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So you mentioned um, Viceroy was implying SBB's LTV ratio wasn't very accurate. Uh, can you tell us what you found out on how SBB was recording its LTV ratio? Of course. So essentially, SBB's definition of LTV looks off-market. They double count their cash balance, include goodwill, and exclude its hybrid bonds from total debt. The company used those hybrid bonds to repay existing debt. Oh, okay. So can you explain a bit about what hybrid bonds are and why they aren't recorded as debt? Absolutely. So these are perpetual bonds, which means essentially they have no fixed maturity date, and it allows them flexibility with respect to coupon payments. Uh, however, hybrid bonds are typically redeemed at their first call date and failure to do so may prove to be an early sign of financial stress. And SBB's hybrid bonds are currently trading at steep discounts and there are low expectations for a power redemption at their first call, which is April 2025 for one set of euro bonds, euro hybrid bonds. If they are not called back, SNP will treat them as 100% debt versus 50-50 debt to equity. Right, okay. Um, so... Can we find a more representative figure to get an idea of SBB's LTV? Yeah. So we decided to use the definition, LTV definitions from EPRA to get a more representative figure. 
We included the hybrid debt instruments, avoided double counting of cash, excluded the goodwill balance, and reached a lofty 66% LTV figure rather than companies 49%. Okay, so that's quite a big difference there. So it seems like the rating agencies have caught on to some of these issues. Yeah, so things became serious last month when the rating agency started downgrading this name. S&P and Fitch downgraded the company to double B plus in May due to its upcoming maturities and tightening liquidity, despite recent disposals to pay down debt. And the downside of these downgrades is that it was no longer able to do a rights issue they had planned, further scuppering their plans uh, to repay debt. S&P then took it down another two notches to double B minus in June after the company stated their first quarter results. Ouch. Um, yeah, well, more recently, though, David, you wrote a story saying that SBB could face a raft of acceleration notices from its bondholders after law firm Cleary Gottlieb wrote to the company to say that it's in breach of one of its covenants. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's right. So SBB has been sent a letter from uh, at least one bondholder, um, which has been represented by the law firm Cleary Gottlieb, as you mentioned. And in the letter, which was reported on first by Bloomberg, they've basically argued that the company's breached its consolidated coverage covenant. So uh, just as a quick bit of background, that covenant is a maintenance covenant under the company's EMTN uh, prospectus, which means if they breach it and don't cure it, then that's an event of default. And the the covenant stipulates that the coverage uh, ratio must be greater than 1.5 uh, times. So on the basis of the original set of uh, financial statements that SBB put out for the first quarter of 2023, it certainly appeared that, that they were in breach of the covenant. So by our calculations, it came out as uh, 1.06 times um, versus the covenant ratio of 1.5 times. The covenant has a 90-day grace period for SBB to cure it if indeed there has been a breach which would mean that if there has been a breach, the event of default would trigger at the end of June. So yeah, so so there is a potential event of default there, but yeah, it, it, it's not quite uh, so straightforward. I mean, has, has the company responded to this? Yeah, so this is where things get a bit more complicated. After they initially published their financial statements on the 27th of April, um, those are the ones that appeared to show the breach of the uh, covenant. Uh, the company then issued revised financial statements on the 29th of May. And those revised statements, uh, they removed the explicit reference to the line item profit before financial items. Um, and that line item is pretty crucial in terms of calculating the covenant as as it's defined in the EMTN pers uh, prospectus. And in our review of the EMTN documentation, we couldn't actually find any explicit requirement on the company to, to publish this line item, even though it's it's a pretty necessary line item to have if you want to make that covenant calculation. So the under the revised financial statements, it's now very, very difficult to, to assess what the um, what the the actual um, ratio is currently. However, SBB did come out and say, um, following some speculation from credit analysts, that there had been a breach of the covenant. Um, the, co uh, the company came out with a statement saying that there had been no breach. 
that being said, when you know we reached out to the company uh, to ask them what the uh, the actual ratio was now and how they had come to that calculation, and we didn't hear back. Um, and and it sounds like they're saying that there is no breach, but we can't see you know the evidence for that yet. Okay. Um. So what was the reason why the company restated their accounts? So I think I'll just quote directly from the company here. SBB said that the revisions were to achieve a consistent financial reporting for all interim periods and the full year 2023. And as a consequence of the sale of shares in JM, a holding which is not considered part of the operations, and the result from the holding is therefore accounted for as financial items. Um, so basically, we had a bit of discussion in-house with, um, with one of our in-house credit analysts uh, about this, um, who said actually it's quite reasonable uh, potentially quite reasonable to to remove kind of a, a discontinued operation from from the operating uh, line items and to put it into the financial items. The, the problem is rather than necessarily being to do with where they've accounted for for the, these line items in in the accounts, it, it's more to do with the fact that by removing this line item altogether or, or the breakout of this line item in the, in the statements, it becomes very, very difficult to calculate whether or not the company is indeed in compliance with the covenant. And that's something in uh, S&P's latest uh, downgrade report that they, they kind of alluded to. So, that, so they said, we view the changes in accounting as weakening transparency and introducing inconsistency and ambiguity on the interpretation of financial statements at a potentially transformative moment for the company. Um, so yeah, so so they're they're not taking a view on whether or not there's been a breach there or not. They're simply saying that that this is kind of reducing transparency and, and effectively making it difficult to to calculate the covenant ourselves. Okay, and and these asset sales are they part of their overall? They're part of their overall deleveraging strategy, as I understand. Hazit, can you tell us about um, what asset sales they've done so far? Yeah, I guess the most interesting transaction is the sale of their education properties. In a nutshell, the company transferred 43 billion Swedish krona of education properties to a new subsidiary called Educo, which is now jointly owned by Brookfield and SBB. So SBB received 9.2 billion Swedish krona in cash from Brookfield for a 49% equity stake that it plans to use for debt repayment. But there's a catch here. A major part of the remaining consideration is being funded by a 14.5 billion Swedish krona intercompany loan from SBB to Educo. And SBB plans to refinance that loan as the proceeds will flow through to SBB's balance sheet. However, uh, refinancing that loan would imply a 48.6% secured LTV at Educo, which won't be easy because you don't see this high secured LTVs in uh, real estate companies. <laughs> There's that LTV ratio coming back again. Um, it sounds like it's running out of options. If things deteriorate further, what do you think the scope is for acceleration, as you mentioned earlier, David? So yeah, I think this is probably where things start to, to get a little bit spicier. Um, if bondholders believe that the covenant has been breached, which it certainly appears that they at least some of them do, you know, as per the, the letter that um, the, the bondholder sent to the company, then after the expiry of the grace period, um, they may well believe that they have grounds to call a default, um, even if the company is saying that that there is no uh, event of default. Um, and because a lot of these bonds have been issued under SBB's Euro Medium Term Note Program, 
um, which was established when the company was still investment grade rated. The notes have been structured um, using kind of traditional investment grade language and they don't actually have a bond trustee so the the kind of you know more administrative tasks associated with the bond are, are kind of delegated to a paying agent rather than a bond trustee so if you remember normally in in kind of high yield bond situations if you're a bond holder and you want to accelerate you need to get a, a certain percentage of the note holders in agreement with you um, usually that's between 25 to 30 percent um, and you need to kind of act together um, to instruct the trustee of the bond to call the default. And you normally also have to indemnify the trustee, which is basically you're paying an insurance premium um, for, for the trustee in case they end up being sued for, for wrongfully calling the default. Here, because there is no trustee, it looks like the bonds are structured in such a way that each bondholder can kind of act bilaterally um, and and call a default on on their individual holdings if they if they believe there's been an event of default by writing to the company informing them of the um, the EOD, um, and and our understanding is that if the if the company kind of continues to dispute this, um, saying saying that there's not been an event of default, then it, it could end up in a kind of litigation situation where where the bondholder goes to court. Um, the, the EMT notes are governed by English law, um, so so potentially that would be the avenue that they would have to go down in order to get a judgment in their favour saying that the um, that the notes are due and payable. Well, um, easy acceleration seems like a hedge fund's dream scenario. Is that a good trade then, or do you think it's not as straightforward as that? Well, you can certainly imagine that if you bought a piece of the EMT and debt at 60 cents on the euro earlier this month, and then you have a trigger to insist on repayment at par at the end of this month, um, then that's a pretty barnstorming trade, or at least it could be. But that might be a bit of a stretch. Given that the company is denying that there is any trigger, you'd then be relying on potentially litigating, securing a favourable judgment from the English court. And of course, potentially, the company could well demonstrate in court that there is no breach um, and they show their working for how they came out at their covenant ratio um, and, and their, their, you know, in compliance with the covenant. Um, I think it's also worth saying at this point, you know, there's a bit of a kind of prisoner's dilemma um, scenario at play here. You know, if, if, you know, one or two holders comes and, and demands repayment at par, um, then SBB may well have capacity to repay them um, just to make them go away. But if absolutely everyone starts demanding repayment um, all at once, then potentially SBB wouldn't have the resources to, to repay the debt um, simultaneously. And you could start looking at a kind of fire sale scenario. Um, and I think uh, perhaps Hazi can talk a little bit more to the point of what your kind of recoveries start looking like if you're um, in a kind of restructuring or wind down type situation. That's really interesting. I mean, uh, love a prisoner's dilemma. Um, I guess we can't really predict what, you know, investors will do, but we can maybe try and map out some predictions on recoveries. As you mentioned, Hazik has, has done some analysis on this. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Hazik? Yeah, sure. So we ran a stress test under a fire sale situation, assuming 35% markdown from book values. Unsecured bondholders are 100% covered, but recoveries dip below par at a 40% discount to book values. And I think it's worth highlighting that SBB recently sold its stake in JM 
for less than half the price it paid for it in 2021. So this kind of shows that a substantial downward revaluation is likely in a fire sale situation. Right. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, being the size that it is um, and, and the dealings it's had with, with the government in the past, do you both think that, you know, the Swedish government will do something to kind of help out with the situation? So historically, SBB was formed in 2016 by buying properties from government and then leasing them back. So they are closely associated with the government. And there was a local Swedish newspaper, Dejan's Industry, which reported that municipalities are interested in buying those SBB assets now. Yeah, I suppose another issue is that the government may not be so keen for certain assets to land in private investors' hands. I've seen online that the national Swedish TV station, SVT, reported last week that the Swedish government is assessing whether the sales of SBB's properties could be a national security implication. SVB owns municipal buildings, including old age homes, police stations, as well as the headquarters of one of its army regiments. What do you think, David? Yeah, I guess the big question there would be what price would they pay? Um, I mean, I'm no expert on Swedish politics, but just as a rule of thumb, I don't think it's ever a good look for politicians to be seen to be bailing out private creditors um, at the expense of the taxpayer. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all we've got time for this week. And uh, thanks both of you for joining me. Thanks for having us, Bianca. Thank you very much. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We love hearing from you, so if you have any feedback, reach out to us on team at ninefin.com. Also tune in next week for the US edition of Cloud9fin, and we'll be back the week after that. See you then.